Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. The last seven weeks we've been preaching out of the book of Nehemiah. And our message series is titled Rebuilding and Restoring. And Nehemiah has been showing us an example that there is nothing too broken that God cannot rebuild. And there's nothing too hurt or too lost that God cannot restore, which means he can rebuild your life and he can restore your life. And you are not an exception to God's rule. What he's done for other people, he can do for you. And the, the first four weeks of this series, I'm just going to tell you, it was encouraging and truthfully, it was a lot of fun to preach. I mean, it was a lot of fun to remind us that each of us can hear from the Lord, that He has put specific purposes in our heart, that we can have that holy ought that we talked about during week one. If that, doesn't, that phrase doesn't mean anything to you, then go on YouTube and listen to that message from seven weeks ago. And then we talked about how when you step out, from, when you step out in faith, you know what steps of faith do? Steps of faith lets you catch up where God already is. That's all we're doing. He's already, that's all the step of faith is, is you're catching up with God. And we talked about that in week two. And then we talked about how no matter how big the, 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 the task is, Nehemiah, remember that he took that midnight walk around Jerusalem and he saw how devastated the wall was that God had called him to rebuild. And, and yet he discovered that no matter how great the task was, God was bigger. And we talked about how to deal with opposition from the inside and opposition from the outside. And last week I talked to you about whatever you do, don't come off of the wall of standing for what God's called you to stand for. And those were, those were, most of those are really fun to preach. This is not that. So just tell your neighbor, get ready. As we look at chapter 7 in just a moment, I'm going to put my whole message in one quick sentence. It's actually the title of our message. The title is this, Relaxing Leads to Relapsing. This statement kind of bothers me a little bit because I personally enjoy relaxing. It's like one of the things I look to about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I start looking forward to when I can get home and find my recliner and hit that lever on the side and my feet kick up and it's like, I love to relax. But the Lord's going to show us that sometimes there's danger if we relax too much. Nehemiah chapter 7 verse number 1, listen to these first four or five words here. After the wall had been rebuilt, seemingly everything that God has told Nehemiah to do has been done. But yet we're about to find Nehemiah still giving orders, still working. Instead of relaxing, he's working. After the wall had been rebuilt, I set the doors in its place. The gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put it in charge of Jerusalem. My brother Haniah, along with Haniah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity that feared God more than most do. And I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot, when the gatekeepers are still on duty, and have them shut the doors and bar them behind them. Also, in areas of your life, Nehemiah knew that God's people were prone to relapsing. 
Nehemiah knew that what destroyed the wall in the first place was not that God's people were in the middle of honoring him and someone just wiped them out. No, what, just got, what got the wall destroyed in the first place is they had forgotten God. They had relaxed their commitment to the Lord. And too many people today, in 2022, in our country today, they have relaxed their commitment to the Lord. They have gotten involved. Don't shout me down too loud now. Control yourselves. They have gotten in love with their comfort more than their convictions. And the Bible says as we fast forward to the end of life on this side of heaven, that that is going to become more and more prevalent. That people will actually hire teachers to tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And I've discovered and I've wondered in the past, how are people going to find preachers and teachers to just tell them what they want to hear? I mean, how's that going to happen? Have you heard of YouTube? You can watch any crazy theology you want to. So relaxing, there's certain things Nehemiah says we, we can't relax. And so this morning I want to tell you, there's certain things in your life you cannot relax or you will relapse. And as I speak through some of these, it could be that someone is going to sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I hope you do not feel the condemnation of a preacher. There's a difference between the condemnation of man and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you just feel condemnation from a preacher this morning, then ignore it and get over it and forget about it because we know the source. But if you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning, then my friend, if you do not respond to that, you are condemning yourself. So I want to challenge you to hear the word of the Lord this morning and respond to it. And the first thing Nehemiah says you cannot relax is you cannot relax your worship of the Lord. In chapter 1, Nehemiah sets up doors. He sets up gatekeepers. But then he sets up musicians and he sets up priests. He says, listen, we're not just going to worship God. We're not going to have a celebration. We're not going to just sing songs of rejoicing today because God let us do the impossible. We rebuilt the wall. We're not going to have a worship service and say, God, you're awesome. This is awesome. See you later. But no, Nehemiah said, worshiping the Lord is going to be a set part. It's going to be a structured part of our life from now on. Do you know worship to God is not what you do in the last 30 minutes? If Sunday morning is your worship unto the Lord, you are living way below the life God desires for you. The psalmist said it like this, all my life I will praise you. Psalm 104 says, I will sing to the Lord all of my life. Not one day a week, not two days a week. All of my life is going to be a, a life filled with worship, a life that's lived before God. Nehemiah, he appointed musicians. He said, worship of God is not going to be something we do in response. Now, here's where we go wrong. We think our worship to God is response 
to what he has done instead of a response to who he is. See, as long as your, your worship is a response to how you're feeling today, if the song is the one you like, if you feel good, if you don't feel good, as long as your, your worship is a response to what he's done, your worship is always going to be start and stop and spits and spurts, and you're going to have good days and bad days and all these kind of things. But when your worship moves a step forward, it's not a response to what he's done or hasn't done. My worship is a response to who he is, how he loved me, and how he's changed my life, and he's still in the process today of changing me. Pastor, I don't like you. Good. Stick around. Because he's still working on me. And he wants to work on you too, by the way. So when God brings us through something, I just think too many times God brings us through something. We get a wall built. We get, we get a victory in our life. And, and sometimes I feel like we get through something and we're like, our, our worship sounds like this. Oh, thank God I survived. And instead of saying, wow, God, if you brought me through that, what else are you going to take me through? Successful on the other side, right? What else can you deliver me through? What else can you get me out of? What else have you got, have you got in my pathway? I'm going to praise the Lord, not because, not because I don't understand what he's doing. I'm going to praise the Lord because I understand if he's doing it. There's a path already made for me that I cannot see that will deliver me safely to where he wants me to be. Nehemiah led them into consistent worship because he knew only as we keep God as the focus of our lives does the rest of our lives stay in focus. When we relax our worship of God, we will relapse into worship of other things. Let me tell you something about yourself that you may not know. Maybe the last 30 minutes you had your hands in your pocket thinking, when will they stop singing this song. You may not consider yourself a worshiper, but you are. Show me your checkbook. I'll show you what you worship. Show me your calendar. I'll show you what you worship. Let me examine what you've done the most talking about the last seven days. I'll tell you what you worship. Let me see what makes you shout and what makes you cry. And I can tell you what you worship. All of us worship something. The only question is, what is it that we're worshiping? And Nehemiah says, we're going to set up some structure here because the success of our lives depends upon our worship of the Lord. Number two, second thing we can't relax is we cannot relax our personal pursuit of God. Nehemiah praised his brother, Hanai, and I love this compliment he gives him. I love this compliment. He said, I'm going to appoint him to be the governor because of this. Because he fears God more than most people. He fears God more than most. Now, our service to God is not a comparison game. It doesn't matter if, if I think I serve God better than Gary or if Gary serves God better than Trevor, or if Trevor serves God better than Steve. It's not a, it's not a comparison about who, who is serving God more, who fears God more. But what it is, it is, it is, it is, here's the real question. Do I fear God more than I fear people? And if you will fear God more than you fear people, you will find yourself fearing God most than others do. He feared God most than... He, more, more than most people because he feared God more than people. 
Well, well, pastor, what does it mean to fear God? I mean, does that mean I'll walk around scared to death at any moment? God's going to get a, like a big thunderbolt or lightning bolt and go, Bzzz! if I get out of line. No, here's what fearing God means, or a few things it means. Number one, it means caring about what God cares about. Hanei, this isn't his first mention on the scene. His first mention in the book of Nehemiah came. We actually mentioned his name in chapter 1, if you remember. He's the guy that showed up in the courtroom the first time and told Nehemiah, listen, you've got to hear about the condition of Jerusalem. You've got to hear about how these walls are broken down, how the people of God are being stolen from, they're being robbed, they're having to live on the leftovers of the enemy, how things are just in terrible, terrible condition. Hananiah, he cared about what God cared about. You know how you can tell whether I fear God like I'm supposed to? Do you care about what God cares about? You know, in Scripture, I find three things that Jesus really cared about. Number one, he cared about people. Number two, he cared about the house of God. He cared about the house of God. He cared about the reputation of the Lord. And he cared about the Word of God. You see him defending and and working towards the health of people, the redemption of people, the redemption of the house of God, and, and the application of His Word. He, fearing God means I care about what God cares about. Here's the second thing. Pursuing God and fearing God means that I'm faithful. Was Hanei gifted? Probably. Most captives who were enjoying any type of success were doing so because they were gifted. If you didn't have any giftedness, you were left behind. But if you were gifted and you were taken captive, then they would put you to use, to put you to work. That's how Nehemiah had his position. But we don't really know if Hanai was gifted or not. We don't really know if Nehemiah was naturally gifted or not. But what we do know about these men was they were faithful. Hanai traveled 800 miles, or Nehemiah traveled 800 miles to rebuild the wall. Hanai traveled with him. Nehemiah received death threats from the enemy. Hanani stood right beside and endured them with them. Nehemiah told the people to keep building the wall with a sword in one hand and a, and a, and a, and a hammer in the other. And Hanani got his sword and got his hammer and he stayed on the wall. He kept on working. He was faithful. I don't have any proof of this, but, but that midnight rendezvous when, when Nehemiah, met with a, Nehemiah met with a few people and walked around the, the city at, at midnight to see what the damage was, the Bible says he just had had two or three people with him. I don't know who they were. We may never know until we get to heaven, but I got a feeling Haney and I was probably one of them. He was one of the very few people Nehemiah knew, but, but he was faithful to do whatever he could for the work of God. I want to tell you this morning, church, there's no substitute in your life for faithfulness to God. Your talent is no substitute for the faithfulness of God. I could kind of get lost here, but I'll try to behave. More than once I've had people tell me, I guess I'm not going to behave. More than once I've had people tell me, now you need to really, really be, be nice to this person because, you know, they're really gifted or they're really talented. Gifted people are a dime a dozen. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. 
The only question is how many dimes you got to give them to show up. But the Bible says a faithful person. Now that's hard to find. I pray every night over my girls this prayer. God, I pray their talent would be great, but their character would be greater. Too many times we have elevated, elevated people's giftedness above their faithfulness, and we wonder why they crash and burn. Your faithfulness, I, I know I'm just, I don't know why I'm on this this morning, but your talent will open doors that your character can't keep you in. You gotta, I, I just, I, I just, I'd rather, I'd rather pastor a church of 100 faithful people than 10,000 talented people. Because what the hundred people who are faithful are going to accomplish is more than the, sorry, just my own little soapbox there. People's opinion of you is no substitute for the faithfulness of God. Haniah put his money where his mouth was. He put his heart where the ministry was. He said, it doesn't matter if they throw rocks at us. It doesn't matter if they shoot arrows at us. It doesn't matter if they attack us with spears and swords. It doesn't matter if we're walking around this city at midnight and it's just three of us and we got this huge task. It doesn't matter what it takes, Nehemiah. I am going to be faithful to see God do what he promised he was going to do. Third thing, or C, fears. He feared God more than most because he feared people. When you fear God more than you fear people, there's a word for it. We call it this, integrity. Integrity has been said is who I am when no one's looking, but people who fear God understand this. People are always looking. Have you ever seen those cameras on top of red lights? And if you run the red light, they supposedly take your picture. You know what someone told me? I don't know if this is true or not. Someone told me that sometimes they put those cameras up there and don't hook them up. Is that true? Is that true? The police officer and my crowd now, they're kind of holding back. But I've heard it. And if it's true, I do know this. I do know you can get online and you can buy surveillance cameras for your house that are fake. And people buy them and other people put them up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have fake surveillance cameras in your house because you don't want to give that away. I got it, okay? But why would anyone put something up that doesn't work? Because we know human nature. If we think someone might be looking, we behave differently than we think when no one's looking. But people who fear God, you know what? They, be they behave the same whether they're in front of 300 people, three people, or no people. Because they fear God more than they fear people. So we can't relax our personal pursuit of pleasing God. And I can't relax my personal pursuit of pleasing God because I know that He has not relaxed His pursuit of me. Here's the third thing this morning. Don't relax your guard against the enemy. The wall is built. The doors are on. And Nehemiah says, now listen, Close the, close the doors before dark and don't, don't open them till well after daylight. 
Don't welcome them until people, you know, the, the people who are in charge of guarding the house are the people who are in the city. They said, don't guard, don't, don't open the doors until, until they're awake, until they're at their post. Like, wait a minute, Nehemiah, time out. I thought the reason we built the wall was so that we could have security. But Nehemiah knew this, the walls weren't enough. The people had to be on guard also against the enemy. You and I cannot relax our guard against the enemy. Well, pastor, you don't understand. God has saved me. He set me free. He's broken these devices in my life. He's broken these addictions off my life. He has pulled me so far from where I was to where I am. And friends, if you relax your guard against the enemy, he will sneak in and drag you right back to where you were unless you guard against the attacks of the enemies. Because just because you got free doesn't mean he gave up. 1 Peter chapter 5, Nehemiah is given this information before Peter ever writes these words. But Peter said it like this. He said, be alert and of sober mind because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, carefully guard that precious truth that's been entrusted to you. He said again in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, guard what has been entrusted to you. Does anyone ever, does anyone in the room like boxing? Any boxing fans in the room? A few of you? I'm just going to tell you, I hate boxing. <laughs> As a kid, they would show boxing during my favorite cartoons. And so... Like, I'm wanting to watch whatever it was, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny, and they're showing boxing. I'm like, come on. So I don't know a lot, bo- a lot, a lot about boxing. But uh, I did have Mike Tyson's punch out on Nintendo, but that's, that's all I know. Here's what I know about boxing. That even though you got to have the ability to throw quick punches and all these kind of things, the most important part about boxing is keeping your guard up. And I've been told that lesser men have defeated greater men because they kept their guard up. And greater men have been defeated by lesser men because they didn't keep their guard up. Listen, greater is he that's in you than the the one that's in the world. Amen? Amen? When you come into a a contest with the enemy, you are not the underdog, right? Greater is he that's in you than the one that's in the world. But if you don't keep your guard up, guess what? You can be defeated by something that is smaller than you in the spirit because you choose to not fight him in the way that God's called you to fight him. So you got to keep our guard up. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm good. I've been serving God for five years now. I'm free. I'm delivered. I don't have to do that anymore. First Corinthians says it like this. Be careful when you think you're standing firm. Least you fall. I put a picture of that motorcycle up there. When I was about 11 years old, 
I had an older cousin that had that exact motorcycle, not, not that one, but one just like it. I, mean, I had to look through the pictures because I wanted it to be the same graphics and everything. But that was a picture of the first motorcycle my, my cousin had. I was 11, he was about 20. And he just thought every 11-year-old boy had to know how to ride a motorcycle. And I could barely even get my toes to reach the ground when it wasn't going, you know. And, and, but he just thought I had to know how to ride it. And so he, uh, he taught me how to ride it and he let me loose. And we had this 40-acre field back behind uh, my grandparents' house and so there I am just riding all over that thing and I'm I'm riding for like 20 minutes I'm just having you know I'm like I'm evil can evil if you know who he I'm just I'm I'm having the blast and he he calls me over he says Greg you think you got it I said dude I've got this that's in the time when we used the word dude I said dude I've got this and he said good this is the perfect time for you to get hurt he said most people crash when they think they got it. And all of a sudden, I went from being evil canoeville to real careful again. Some of us, we think, oh, man, I got this. But Nehemiah says, we don't have this. we got to keep our guard up. Second Peter chapter 3 says it like this, Therefore, beloved, listen, I'm not telling you this stuff this morning because I'm mad at you or because God's mad at you. Peter doesn't give us this this scripture because he's upset with us. He says, I'm giving it to you because I love you. He says, therefore, beloved, since you already know these things, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure standing. Colossians chapter 2 says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. And number four, Megan, if you want to come, fourth thing this morning, don't relax your response to the direction of God. Group question, why did Nehemiah leave Babylon and come to Jerusalem? To do what? To build a wall. And now, the wall has been built, and in verse number 5, here's the same language from chapter number 1. So God put it in my heart. The wall's built, but now Nehemiah sees another issue. And God gives him another holy ought. God put it in his heart to do something else for the Lord. So I just want to remind you this morning, don't let what God has done in you or for you or through you, blind you to what he might want to do in you and through you today and in you and through you tomorrow, no matter how down the road you are of serving Jesus today, God still is speaking to your present. He wants to speak to you today. Don't let what he spoke to you in the past keep you from hungering and responding to what he says today. Well, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, Mary gave us some pretty good instructions at Jesus' first miracle. She simply told those, to, those people, whatever Jesus says, do it. Nehemiah saw some, a built wall but broken down homes. And he felt, you know what, somebody ought to do that. And so we responded to the word of God again. We've got to stay sensitive to the word of God. I've discovered that there's two ways. I've shared this before. I don't know if it's on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. There's two times when God tries, to, the enemy tries to knock us off the plan of God. There's two ways he'll do it. Either, either through pain 
He'll try to separate you from the will of God through pain, or he'll try to separate you from the will of God through pleasure. So whether you're in a season of pain or a season of pleasure, you got to keep your ear tuned in to the voice of God. See, this is encouraging to me because ministry, responding to the Word of God, is never a solo mission. Matter of fact, you coming to Jesus was not a solo mission, right? The Bible says no one comes to the Father, so no one comes to, to the Son unless the Father draws them. It means the Spirit of God drew you to Jesus in the first place. So if you're a Christ follower today, you can't say, well, I've never heard God speak to me because the very fact that you gave your heart to Jesus means that the Spirit of God spoke to you. And that same Spirit that spoke to you before will speak to you again if you just listen to Him. And when He kind of nudges you on the side of your heart to, to engage in some process, that you engage in response to that. So you never serve God alone. As I said before, a step of faith is just a step catching up with what God is already doing. And Nehemiah, he built the wall, but he figured out that God isn't done working yet. And I'm not sure what, what has happened in your life, whether good or bad. Here's what I know. God is not done in your life either. He still has work for you. He still has purpose for you. And so it's too soon, if you still got breath in your lungs, it's too soon to relax in responding to the work of God. Don't relax your responsiveness to the Spirit of God. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Two prayers I want us to pray. Number one, 1st question is this. Have you been relaxing in your commitment to the Lord? And perhaps you've even relaxed to the point that you have begun to see areas where you're relapsing because you've kind of you've, you've, you've kind of gave up on pursuing the Lord you relaxed in your commitment to Him you relaxed to giving, serving, going, responding praying, reading, whatever it is the Lord's called you to do you've sensed the Lord talking to you this morning that you know, you've been too relaxed, and that relaxing is leading to the relapsing of your past. Nehemiah said, not here. We're going to worship God. We're going to continue to hear from Him and do His work. But today, you say, Pastor, I'm just, I just need to get honest with God that I have been too relaxed in my commitment to the things of God. And today, you need to get that right with Him. I've been too relaxed. You just lift your hand real quick. That's me, Pastor. I want to I want to respond today. I want, I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I don't know to pray. Amen? Amen? I've just been too relaxed. Amen? Amen? Some of you have been tasting the relapse from that relaxing. And today the Lord has, I believe, sent this message to you personally. So that your life can be rebuilt and restored and never destroyed again. In just a moment, I want to pray for you if you lift your hands corporately, but also want to challenge a second question for all of us is this. How is your pursuit of God this morning? Is your pursuit of the things of God relaxed or is it something you're actively seeking? Today, I would challenge you, 
Nehemiah said, hey, I'm, I'm not done yet. I see that there's more that God wants to do. And I want you to see this morning. There's more that God wants you to do than just what you've seen before. If you will passionately, personally pursue him. And today, today I hope that all of us will do like Nehemiah did in chapter 7. He moved forward by obeying the step of God that he put in front of him. And so whatever that next step is for you today, I would just challenge you to obey God and move forward in obedience to him. Be faithful to that because he will be faithful to you. Would you stand with me all across this room this morning? If you've been too relaxed, but today's your day of commitment, I want to pray for you. Or if you say, I've just been stagnant, but today I'm moving forward, I want to pray for you. And all the rest of us today, I want you to pray with me. Don't, let's not let this be a spectator sport today. But let's renew our commitment to the Lord as a body today. Let's commit ourselves to responding to Him. And let's commit ourselves to not relaxing our guard or our pursuit of Him or our worship to Him. But let's press forward in obedience to Him. So, Father, I pray all across this room today that people would just sense a freshness of God in their life as they are renewing their commitment to you, as they are refusing to relax what you say should never be relaxed. God, I pray that people's worship of you would just go to new levels Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays too, but God, new level every moment of their life that they live their whole life before you. Our whole life, God, is, a, is, a, is an act of worship to an audience of one, and Father, that's you. So God, where we have been relaxed, I pray that we would rev up our commitment to you, that we can see you do greater things than ever before. God, I also pray this morning there's someone who's just been stagnant. Lord, they've just been sitting on the accomplishments of yesterday instead of pursuing what you have for them today. God, we know there's an enemy out there who longs to kill, steal, and destroy us. But Lord, we're going to say no to that by pursuing you and pursuing your best. So God, I pray that today you'll lead us farther than we've ever been before. God, I pray you'll lead us into things that we've never seen as we follow you. And God, this morning we just commit as a church that we refuse to relax because we refuse to relapse into those things you've brought us out of. And we're going to continually contend for what you have for us in the future. We receive that today. So God, I pray all across this room and those watching online today, God, I pray you will bless them. I pray you will keep them. I pray your face will shine upon them and give them peace and joy both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We should give the Lord a hand clap for his word today. Father, we love you. We love you, Father. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.